Well, good morning. Uh, this morning, uh, as we've talked about, we'll be looking at the topic of sola fide, which is by faith alone. Sola fide is the core principle of Christianity. Uh, it's the very matter of the gospel of Christ. The substance or the heart of true Christianity is sola fide or by faith alone. Faith alone is the core biblical teaching that salvation comes to the sinner exclusively by faith alone. That's uh, the response to the question which every Christian should be able to answer, what must I do to be saved? And it was the truth which Martin Luther struggled for. Uh, as we've looked at, Luther made a vow to become a monk. He attempted to earn his eternal salvation by good works. He punished his body, he slept in storms and deprived himself of all worldly comforts. He felt more and more that he would be commending himself toward God, yet his guilt of sin intensified. <clears throat> it grew deeper. He felt he grew away from God with his every effort. Luther uh, said at one point, if ever a monk got to heaven by monkery, it was I. More and more he realised how impossible perfection was before God. And in November 1510, he went to Rome and he thought he might find salvation in a pilgrimage to the holy city. Uh, he viewed relics, attended mass, the Lord's Prayer, visited holy sites and bought indulgences. He transferred to Germany uh, where he confessed sins for six hours a day on his knees and still he felt no closer to God. Two years later he taught the word of God and studied for his doctorate. 1513 he taught through the book of Psalms, 1515 through Romans, 1516 through Galatians. The more he studied he still had no peace and rest before a holy God and he was becoming weary in his search. Through his study in Romans, he came to see the righteousness of God, not as a reward for the righteous, but for the guilty. And his struggle brought him to the doctrine of justification by faith alone, uh, which he spent the rest of his life struggling to share with others. Uh, so if you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of Galatians in chapter 1, uh, that's where we'll be looking this morning. Galatians in chapter 1, and we'll read through verses 1 to 10. Galatians in chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1, 3 to 10, says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. To whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? <clears throat> if I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And he continues in chapter 2 and verse 14 where he says, 
but but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Uh, Let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this uh, day you've given us. We thank you for this time where we can come together, Lord, and sing uh, songs of praise and worship to you. We thank you for uh, your word uh, preserved through history uh, that we have in front of us now. Lord, we just pray that uh, you would guide us into truth, that you'd guide my words, that um, each person here would uh, find something that they can uh, take away from this, that you would convict each one, and that we'd be willing to change to be more uh, like you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One illustration of Luther says uh, that he was like a blind man who climbed the tower of the local church, and as he ascended the ladder and came near to the top, he lost his footing and started to fall. Uh, He reached out as he was falling in the darkness for anything to take hold of, and he grasped a rope. When he held onto the rope, a bell rang that was heard around the world. In the 16th century, the Christian church saw the greatest fragmentation in its history. Uh, That which divided Christendom wasn't the infallibility of traditions or of the Pope, but the cause of the fragmentation and for the Reformation was the gospel. Uh, It's important to understand that the essence of the gospel isn't our personal testimony. Uh, In other words, it's not our individual stories of how we came to Christ and what we felt and experienced at the time. Rather, the gospel is to do with objective content which describes the person and work of Christ. With this comes the question of how this objective content of the gospel is subjectively brought down to a person. And the Bible states that we gain the benefits of his death and his perfect righteousness, and the power of his resurrection by faith and by no other means. This is the truth of the gospel, the answer to the extremely important question, what does a person have to do to be saved? And that is why Luther stood so boldly for it. The gospel itself was at stake. In the 16th century, Luther said uh, that the doctrine of sola fide, by faith alone, is the article upon which the church stands or falls. Uh, That is, when the church embraces the gospel, it stands on a solid rock, but when it departs from that gospel, it falls, and falls greatly. Luther also added to this statement, saying, The doctrine of justification by faith alone is not only the article on which the church stands or falls, but it is the head and cornerstone of the gospel. Without sola fide, the church cannot exist for one hour. If If that gospel is removed or obscured or denied... The church doesn't lie there gasping for air, but he said it cannot exist for one hour. Without the doctrine of justification by faith alone, we live in darkness and God is not known. Calvin said that justification by faith alone is the hinge upon which everything turns. And another theologian uh, used the titan Atlas as a metaphor and said justification by faith alone is like Atlas If Atlas shrugs, the whole truth of God crashes to the ground. Uh, So the question is, are these theologians exaggerating? 
Uh, are they overstating the importance of this doctrine? In the final analysis, don't we all just believe the same thing? Well, Paul wasn't exaggerating. Uh, he didn't believe that it was all just the same thing uh, when he said in Galatians, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed or let him be damned. Uh, not very politically correct. Luther famous, famously wrote the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And the last verse reads, Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. Those words were penned from the, man, the hand of a man who was tortured for his loyalty to one gospel. And to understand why, <clears throat> why it was such a truth to be fought for, we need to look back to the 16th century to see what the dispute of justification between Luther and Rome was all about. According to Rome, justification is accomplished in the first instance through the administration of the sacraments through the priesthood, the means by which all the benefits of Christ's person and work are communicated to the individual is the sacrament of baptism. Rome then and now teaches that in the sacrament of baptism, the grace of justification is infused or poured into the soul of its recipient by the power of the sacrament, imparting to the recipient the grace of justification. One who receives must cooperate with it and conform to it uh, to such an extent that real righteousness objectively forms in the soul. When this happens, that person is justified until or unless that person kills that grace by the act of mortal sin. Mortal sin is defined as mortal sin because it is so heinous that it kills the grace of justification in the soul. If you commit mortal sin, you have to become justified again. And that occurs with what the Roman church calls the second plank of justification. Borrowing language from the nautical world, the second plank is for those who have made shipwreck of their soul. Instead of baptism to regain justification, another sacrament is performed, uh, which we have looked at before, named penance. Penance includes the necessity of confession and contrition, priestly absolution, uh, and before they can be restored, the sinner had to do works of satisfaction, which gained for the sinner what Rome defines as congruous merit, uh, which is one of at least three different kinds of merit. Congruous merit is merit that although it is not necessary for God to restore you to a state of justification, it is fitting for him to do so. To do so. Uh, the, uh, another merit is condign merit. Uh, this is merit of such a high and pure degree that it really imposes upon a just God the necessity of reward. Uh, in other words, you've done something so good, how can God not uh, reward you? He is, uh, it's an imposition on him to reward you. Uh, but Luther says the gospel is like a lightning bolt that destroys condign and congruous merit altogether. Uh, we come with nothing in our hands clinging to Christ and to Christ alone. And the other kind of merit is named supererogatory merit. And that is merit performed by a very tiny number of people who have ever lived. Those are the people who have earned merit above and beyond, people whose works were so righteous that they have accumulated for themselves a surplus, more merit than they needed to get into the kingdom of God. And these are pe people like Mary and Joseph, St. Francis and St. Thomas. 
that super merit is deposited into the treasury of the saints, a huge bank account of merit which is administered by the church to those people who are still in purgatory to reduce their amount of time they spend there before they can go to heaven. In 1510, Luther made a pilgrimage to Rome to go to the Lateran church. At this church, they had a precious relic called the Sacred Steps, brought back from Jerusalem, allegedly the steps which Jesus climbed on the night of his trial. The church had decreed if a person made a pilgrimage to the church and went up those steps on their knees, when they got to the top of the staircase, they would receive a number of indulgences which could be applied to their deceased relatives. Luther had his crisis when he went up the stairs one by one on his knees. He got to the top, stood up, and he muttered, who knows if it is true? Uh, Does this really work, was his question. That's what forced him to go back and study the word of God again, where he found nothing of purgatory, nothing of papal indulgences, but the gospel of justification by faith alone. Rome believes purgatory, or the place of purging, is for those who die not in mortal sin, Uh, If you die in mortal sin, you go to hell. Purgatory is for people who die with any remaining impurity or blemish on their souls. Before you can go to heaven, you you have to have every residual remnant of sin in your life purged away because God will never pronounce you just until you are righteous. To be justified, you have to first be sanctified. It could take thousands or millions of years to be purged depending on what sacraments and relics you had visited or your relatives visited on earth. To Luther, this was not good news. It was horrible news. Luther said that the instrument of justification was not baptism, it was faith. Justification is by faith. Faith is the instrument that links us to Jesus, and it is the means by which all of the benefits of his life and death and resurrection are given to us. Faith has no merit of its own. It is not a good work. It is simply a grasping of Christ. The phrase justification by faith alone is simply shorthand for the idea that justification is by Christ alone. Imputation is critical to understanding the doctrine of justification. Luther understood that the righteousness of God was made available to all those who believe, not by faith plus works, not by our efforts plus Christ, but by faith alone. Before we are righteous, uh, the very second we put our faith in Christ and Christ alone All that Christ is, all that Christ has accomplished, becomes ours in that second. Uh, We are pronounced just right at that moment. All of our sins, past or future, have gone away. They are in remission. They are no longer fatal to us. That second we put our faith in Christ, our place in heaven is guaranteed. Calvin said every sin is a mortal sin in the sense that it deserves death. And yet no sin is a mortal sin in the sense that it can destroy the justification that has been accomplished for you by Christ. The moment we are justified, we have peace with God and access into his presence. If the Roman view were the true view, we would be without hope. Uh, When I was young and had just learned about praying for forgiveness and salvation, I thought that the prayer itself was what had saved me and that if I prayed it again, I would be unsaved. Uh, And if I prayed it again, I would be saved again. And if I prayed it again, I would be unsaved. And eventually I lost track of whether I was saved or unsaved. And I spent a few hours just praying the prayer over and over, uh, hoping that I would be saved. And that is similar to the uh, Roman Catholic view, and it is a hopeless situation. 
Uh, but justification by faith alone has given us a hope to live for and to die for. Luther, tormented by the law when he understood the gospel, said the doors of paradise swung open and I walked through. I'd like to finish by uh, looking at Romans chapter 5 and we'll read verses 1 and 2 if you'll turn there. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 which says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Thanks, Daniel. So rich and so full. I feel like asking Lucas to come up and read it all again so we can all hear it again and take in some more of what was just said. While you're still there in Romans, just go to Romans chapter 3. And in verse 21, an incredible passage for Luther as well. This is not a tag team. I'm not uh, taking part two of the message, but just some, uh, some reading here for us. Romans 3 and verse 21, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that no one is justified by faith. Sorry, we hold that no one, that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law, the law of faith. Being justified by faith, chapter 5 and verse 1 tells us we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have spent much time over the last three weeks talking about some historical matters, but it is so critical for us as a church to understand why it is that we stand on what we stand and what is at stake if we in any way move from the truth of the gospel that Lucas uh, has shown to us from Galatians chapter 1. In a world that is in a Christian environment, I might say, that is beginning to relinquish all matters of doctrine and truth, it is essential, it is critical that we as a church maintain the faith of our forefathers, the traditions that are found in Scripture. By traditions, I mean truth as opposed to that which we read of in Rome. And we are so thankful that in 15, 13, 14, 15, whenever it was that Luther first understood that, that by his 95 theses being put on that door uh, there, we today can say with him that we are justified by faith alone. Uh, Absolutely critical. Uh, By nature, we as people 
want to work for it. We want to. We think we must do things. And yet God says, you are going to be declared righteous by faith, not by works. We need to understand these truths. We need to see them for what they are. And we need to be champions of them in a world that doesn't understand them anymore. In a church, largely, that has ignored these truths so much lately. In just a few moments, we're going to have the privilege of partaking of communion. And were we in the time of the Reformation, this would be filled with such mixed feelings. There would be those who would perhaps abstain entirely because of what the Roman Catholic Church had taught about the Eucharist. And they would feel uh, just so overwhelmed by the thought that I can't even partake now. Uh, It was Luther before he was converted that was so nervous that he was handling the body and blood of Jesus Christ actually that he wouldn't partake. And then there were the other reformers who would say when they had come to understand the truth of the gospel and stood for it, that this was the most profound, amazing time in the church life, that they would come around the table to remember. And what would they remember? They would remember that it was sola scriptura. It was the word alone. They would remember that it was uh, sola gracia, by grace alone. Sola fide, by faith alone. And then they would say it's by Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. And as you partake this morning, can I encourage you to remember all that is contained within that gospel. We are here by grace, through faith, in Christ For his glory alone. And this is not transforming into some divine uh, transubstantiation, some aspect of his body that becomes alive. These are simply emblems and symbols that we partake in remembrance of. He doesn't need to die again. That's the message of the gospel. His death was sufficient. God forbid that we would for a moment think that these simple emblems have some divine meaning in and of themselves, but simply as a reminder for us of what Christ has done. And so in a moment, we're going to partake and hand out the emblems. And, uh, and hopefully, I trust, we will remember these incredible truths. And Lucas, uh, what, a, what an incredible doctrinal, I don't know what you call it, statement was made this morning of justification by faith. Remember that, church, this morning. In just a moment, I'm going to uh, sing a song in preparation for communion. And as I do that, I would ask that you bow your head and uh, take the time to examine your own heart. Examine where you are before the Lord Jesus this morning, whether you are walking with him, whether you are walking in rebellion to him, whether you don't even know him at all. And now would be the time for you to place your faith and trust in him. Um, And then after that song, we will hand out the emblems without any further words we'll just hand them out you partake as you see fit and then we'll close with a song so let's take a few moments to examine ourselves while i uh, sing a song for us